It's a Saturday night in November, and a local band is performing at a church dance at St. Mary of Mount Carmel in Gloversville, New York. As far as church dances go, this one is pretty typical. Coffee and snacks are laid out in the back of the auditorium, and a crowd of mostly senior citizens is dancing. The 11-member group on stage tonight is called Flame. They specialize in covers. A slender man with salt and pepper hair and a mustache is enjoying the band. But Frank Vitri says he didn't know what to expect before he got here. I think they're great. This is phenomenal, really, for supposedly the physically and mentally handicapped they are. They're just they're superb. All 11 members of the band Flame are diagnosed with disabilities. Since forming in 2003, the group has given more than 200 paid performances in New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, and Washington, D.C. They've even booked a gig in Alaska. I'm George Bodarki, and this is Musical Abilities. Coming up, we'll meet some of the members of Flame and other musicians who happen to have disabilities. Some of them were born that way, but others suffered ailments or injuries that left them struggling to find new ways to make their music. Disabled musicians sometimes have to overcome extraordinary challenges to perform, but many say their biggest struggle is simply getting others to see them as ordinary. Ten years ago, a viral infection left Steve Father Time Katz in a wheelchair. He's now the president of the Disabled Drummers Association. The Florida-based group is working to change the way disabled musicians are viewed and treated in the music industry. Katz says it's tough to break in when image is everything. In the disabled community, those of us who are performing musicians, to even get on stage and perform is practically non-existent. Auditioning for the band is even worse. Even if you know the material and you're personable, they can see you walk in with a limp or you don't breathe well, walk well, or you're even missing a limb, or you roll in in your chair, quite honestly, they're not even going to want to hear you play. And that's truly the sad part. There are exceptions, however. Vic Chestnut is a singer-songwriter who lives in Athens, Georgia. The quadriplegic Chestnut is making it in the music industry. Chestnut wound up in a wheelchair in 1983 after driving drunk and crashing his car. Secret tequila shots and a patch of morphine. After months of recovery, Chestnut started to pick up the pieces of his musical life. He was performing solo at a local club when Michael Stipe of the band R.E.M. spotted them. Stipe went on to produce Chestnut's first two albums. Chestnut says there's no hiding the fact that he's a disabled musician. You know, some musicians they call heartthrobs. You know, everybody's labeled, and, and you know, and, and that's one very simple, easy way to label me. And it's pretty obvious by any photograph of me or anything that, yeah, you know, the dude's in a wheelchair. But Chestnut says he's been fortunate because the words disabled and musician don't always mesh in the music world. I mean, a lot about rock and roll is about image, you know, and so I think maybe one of the first things that A&R's people go looking for are perfect specimens of human beauty or something. That's one of the first things they look for. Sometimes maybe music is the second thing they look for. Artists and repertoire departments might not be on the lookout for musicians with disabilities, but Steve Katz with the Disabled Drummers Association says audiences always take notice of them. 
the last thing you're going to think of is the first thing you thought of when you sat down. Gee, that guy plays well, but what about that cough? What about that limp? And did you see that drummer missing an arm and still able to play? He sounds okay with the band, but there's no... There's no second limb. There's something missing. That's sadly what they'll remember. You wouldn't know it from his voice, but German-based baritone Thomas Quashtoff is unusually short. He's about four feet tall. He almost has no arms. His hands emerge just below his shoulders. Joseph Strauss, a professor of music theory at the City University of New York, says it's difficult for people to see beyond that. He's a thalidomide baby, in fact. And again, it's very, very hard in, in stage drama like opera for people to get past that disability. Once again, despite the fact that he's a consummate musician, has an absolutely fabulous voice, you know, he is to some extent engulfed by that stigmatic trait. Even early on in music history, an artist's disability would overshadow the music. Professor Strauss points to Beethoven's deafness as an example. The music he wrote late in his life when he was quite deaf, the music is quite eccentric in many ways, very strange in a lot of ways. People responded by saying, poor old Beethoven, what do you expect? He's deaf, that's why he's writing this weird, awful, strange music. But Strauss says over time, opinions changed people began to see Beethoven's deafness as a kind of divine gift. That is, by cutting him off from the concerns of daily life, his deafness permitted him a kind of interiority, an intensification of his inner vision that permitted him to write this visionary and highly unusual music. Still, Strauss says it's hard for able-bodied people to focus solely on the music of a disabled performer, especially in modern times. He says he can only think of people like Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder who've become more known for their musical contributions than for their disabilities. For example, the, the great uh, Scottish percussionist Evelyn Glennie is deaf. She's an absolutely wonderful musician, but clearly a lot of the attention that she, that's paid to her is because of she's functioning with this disability. I don't mean to say at all that she's exploiting that in any kind of negative way. Um, simply that it's attached to her, as scholars would say, she's engulfed by the disability. That it, it, in the sense that people have trouble looking at her or listening to her or thinking about her without also thinking about the disability. That trait sort of subsumes everything else about her. It's very, very hard to find a review of a musician like that that doesn't, at the very beginning, identify her in that way. Musician Vic Chestnut says it's a dilemma he understands. The wheelchair-bound artist says he doesn't want to be talked about just because he has, in his words, a broken body. But Chestnut says it doesn't surprise him when that becomes the focus of conversation. My story is somewhat of a human interest story, in a way. I mean, it can't help but be. Normal people, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for saying that, but normal people, people who are physically normal, they look at someone like myself and they think, oh, how can he go on? I couldn't do that. 
And, and it's very natural to look on my story as a kind of a triumphant story of, uh, you know, mind over, or just as a story of great will of triumph. Chestnut says he can fall into that line of thinking too, and it shows in his music. In his song Withering, Chestnut references a man who's lost the will to play. What are you doing I couldn't point to whole songs, really, maybe, but more their lines. And it's also the way I view the underdog in my songs and the way I empathize with the underdog and the non-beautiful or something like that. I don't want to say ugly, but yes, ugly. To me, it, it's a thread that runs through all my songs, really. Wounded Prince, where's your daddy? Wounded Prince is not just the title of one of his songs. That also seems to be how Chestnut views himself. A prince who, after ending up in a wheelchair, lost his royal status. I'm a white male. And growing up, I'm a, you know, I'm a member of, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a white male, and so I was a part of the ruling class in a way, you know. And uh, after I broke my neck, I realized, you know, I wasn't really, I'm not a member of that club anymore. It completely changed the way I perceive the world in a way. I'm now part of the, <laughs> I'm part of the, uh, the downtrodden and the put upon. It's an interesting twist. The City University of New York's Joseph Strauss says it's an unfortunate twist. He says the word disability shouldn't even be a part of their vocabulary. Every human being is adapting and accommodating whatever physical limitation they're operating under. And in a sense, there's no reason to draw an absolute distinction to say, well, if you have physical differences and limitations beyond this point, we'll call you disabled. The fact is it's a wide spectrum of human abilities. And there's no need in a sense that any of them um, should be stigmatized. The drummer of the British rock band Def Leppard sees it that way too. Rick Allen lost his left arm in a car accident in 1984. Allen says he's learned to celebrate what he calls his uniqueness. As long as you, you play from your heart, then there are people out there that will really love what you do. And, and I, think, I think that's the key, is don't try and be something that you're not. If you play something slightly different, and it doesn't sound like, say, a guy with two arms or, or whatever combination of limbs or, or, or abilities or disabilities you may have. Celebrate that because I honestly think that it's the, it's the uniqueness of it that will allow you to shine. When Alan lost his arm, Def Leppard was at the height of its popularity with songs like Bringin' on the Heartbreak and Photograph. Alan says the success he achieved before his accident helped put him back behind the drums without what he calls freak show status. A few musician friends that I know weren't necessarily as fortunate as me in terms of, you know, the level that I'd attained, you know, before my accident. They actually find it quite difficult. And I know that, you know, they've they've come up against many obstacles. Ah, it's frustrating. 
But it was much more than fame that returned Allen to the drum throne. He says the long road back started in a hospital room shortly after his accident. On a certain day, uh, I remember uh, tapping my feet on on this foam uh, that was at the bottom of my bed. And I realized that I could play all the basic rhythms that I'd played before. So I asked my brother to uh, go home and get my stereo system and and bring all all my early uh, music. It was fantastic because, you know, I just laid there and started playing along and realized that the information was there. I could do it. Even though the limb wasn't, there was a way that we could we could do this. And Alan says the more time passed, the more confident he became in his ability to play drums again. I talked about this with uh, some of the troops coming back from the Middle East. Where there's the will, the brain really just takes care of it. It really does rewire. A uh, new neuron activity starts to, to occur. And, and um, without really realizing it, it was very subtle. But I started to become more dexterous with my right hand. And then I remember kicking a football around one day and uh, realizing that when I kicked it with my left leg, it didn't feel quite so alien as it had in the past. Technology also plays a large role in helping disabled musicians like Def Leppard's Rick Allen. He describes how he plays with a custom-made electronic drum set. Everything that I used to play with my left arm, I now play with my left foot using a series of, uh, of foot pedals. And I assign certain sounds to those foot pedals uh, that correspond to drums that I hit with my right hand. So basically playing opposites, you know, right hand, left foot right hand, left foot, right, instead of right hand, left hand, right, you know. Without the electronics, it would have been a lot more difficult. Just having this uh, access to all these foot pedals, all these different sounds, it definitely makes for uh, a very unique, a unique sound and a, a pretty unique playing style. A company by the name of Simmons designed the kit Allen used after his accident, and Allen made a strong comeback on Hysteria, the first album Def Leppard released since he lost his arm. When the technology isn't available, disabled musicians have to rely on their own ingenuity. Musician Vic Chestnut's hands were mangled after his car wreck. He says he plays guitar by any means necessary. I get a lot of questions from people who their hands are messed up like mine and wondering how I strum. You know, I have these these little cuffs that I Velcro and leather gloves that I put on to protect my hands when I'm pushing my wheelchair. And uh, I cannot hold a pick. I mean, my hands is paralyzed, so I couldn't hold a pick and... One of the first things I realized that, ooh, if I super glue a um, pick to the thumb of this glove, I can strum. And that was a revelation. And for years and years, 15 years maybe, that was my technique. So, you know, I'm always on the lookout for these new kind of techniques. Not beholden to the after.
and Chestnut says the sounds he creates are the result of his disability. The way I play my music now is very much affected by my physical abilities, my, the way my fingers work and my hands and the way I play guitar and the kind of chords that I can make with my hands being the way they are, that really affects the way kind of melodically my songs are structured, I think. And, and it's very pretty obvious to anybody who's heard me play guitar that it's very much dependent on my physicality, you know, my crooked fingers. Something similar is true for singer-songwriter Joni Mitchell. She contracted polio when she was nine, and that's the reason for her unique guitar style. She uses modified tunings to compensate for body weakness, and that's made for some of the most distinctive sounds in folk music. All the people at this party, they've got a lot of style. They've got stamps of many countries. They've got passport smiles. Some are friendly, some are cutting, some are watching it from the wings. Some are standing in the center, giving a get some for a former Long Island resident now living in Virginia, the frustration of not being able to play the drums was too much. Donald Jager says he was drumming for just four years when at the age of 25, he fell working on a tugboat and severely injured his spine. He says it wasn't until he turned 30 that he decided to return to the instrument. It was actually a, a really huge challenge. First thing I had to do was make myself a seat because all the drum thrones I couldn't sit on more than a, m a couple of minutes. So I, I designed myself a seat that I could sit on for more than a, a short period of time. You know, endurance, build endurance. Jager has a history of developing contraptions to help himself and other disabled musicians. He designed a stand that helped a guitarist friend with muscular dystrophy play without bearing the instrument's weight. And in 1995, Jager was issued a patent for a special stand he created to practice on drums. I could actually sit in a recliner, put my feet up, and put this thing in the exact position where my arms were relaxed, and I could practice without the strain of having to lean forward and just being in an uncomfortable position. A portion of the sales from Jager's drum stand goes to the Coalition for Disabled Musicians, an organization he founded in 1986. Jager says he formed the group to meet musicians in similar scenarios. He says playing with the abled-bodied was too stressful at the time. They just didn't understand my restrictions and my... Uh, my inabilities to, well, move drums, first of all, that was a big problem, but my endurance level was really low, and, and I just wasn't able to pick it up the way I, and most normal people would be able to do. Over time, Jager got a band together. They named themselves Range of Motion. Since moving from New York to Virginia, Jager's no longer a part of the group, but the band's still around. Jager's sister-in-law, Linda, has taken over the helm as the president of the Coalition for Disabled Musicians, and she's a singer-songwriter with Range of Motion. The group has turned an office space on Long Island into a rehearsal studio. The entire band gets together to jam on Monday nights. Linda polls the group on what they want to play. Oh, let my, I know what you're going to pick, Tommy. What would you like to do, Tom? I'm going to do Evil Way. I knew it. There are currently five members in Range of Motion, all with their own set of challenges. Linda Jager was born with a form of muscular dystrophy. Today she's in a wheelchair, but that doesn't silence her singing voice. She's far from bashful as she belts out Joni Mitchell's Big Yellow Taxi. Hotel, a boutique and a swinging hot spot. 
On drums is Mikey Zielinski, who has cerebral palsy. A huge smile lights up his face as he takes a solo. Zielinski says he hopes other aspiring musicians see him as a role model. Playing the drums is really cool, you know, you play all different types of music you like, and I'm very versatile, so heavy metal and hard rock, you know. But I like all this stuff too, so it's pretty cool to play, you know, a disabled band and get out there and just rock and roll, keeping up with the dream. So you have a dream, just go far and you go all the way. And that's what the Coalition for Disabled Musicians works to do, help the physically and mentally challenged pursue their musical dreams. Coalition President Linda Jaeger. It's a rough world out there in the music world, and it's very hard for a musician with any type of a disability to really break through and perform or play music. But we also do public awareness so that people see that people with disabilities are a contribution to the community and to the world. All right, I want to introduce the band to you real quick. Here, Range of Motion is performing at Saveville, Long Island's 2006 Summerfest. To the right side of the stage, we have Pat Ryan on bass guitar. Center stage, but to my far right, is Tom Ryan on guitar. Here on guitar is John Phillips and me. I'm Linda Jager, and together we are Range of Motion. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. I don't know if we've really received any discrimination or anybody disappointed in us. I think they more take a second look and go, "Hey, wait a minute. These people are disabled, and they're playing rock and roll." We want to see you dance now. We'll shake it up, baby, now. Shake it up, baby. Twist and shout. Twist and shout. Performing live poses specific challenges for disabled musicians. For one thing, Linda Jager needs to use a wireless mic. Otherwise, she risks running over the cord with her wheelchair or getting tangled up in it. Her husband, Bob Jager, serves as the band's sound man. He says he has to run through a specific checklist before each gig. Actually, the larger of the problems would be whether we're able to get into the place where we're going to have the thing. Is it accessible? Are the stages too high? Um, Just even the doorways to get into the places, are they wide enough for the wheelchairs or for people to get in and out of? A stage that's not wheelchair accessible can pose all sorts of problems. Quadriplegic singer-songwriter Vic Chestnut says he has to live by his wits while out on the road. It's a little embarrassing sometimes the way I have to get on stage. There, It's often impossible for me to, you know, finish the set and then go off and then come back on for an encore. That's out of the question most of the times because I can't go anywhere because uh, there's no way off the stage. You know, it's not glamorous sometimes that the you're playing in a venue you can't even go to the toilet in it's an improvisation uh life on the road 
It's because of those kinds of obstacles that wheelchair-bound drummer Steve Katz forgoes regular gigs. It's virtually impossible to take gigs for two reasons. Number one, I don't walk well and breathe well, so I stopped subbing myself out because some of that work that's out there to take gigs with other bands is like X Files. It's like Twilight Zone. I'm not in the position to jump in blindly. Uh, and not know what's expected of me, so I don't take those types of calls. Cats may not care about the next big gig, but the people behind the upstate New York band Flame are doing what they can to get the group as much exposure as possible. Flame's song list includes more than a hundred tunes, mostly covers, and the band's put together a full-length CD. The title track is called "All for a Reason." All 11 members of Flame have mental and physical disabilities. The group was formed around lead singer Michelle King. She was discovered during a talent show at the Lexington Center. That's a nonprofit that serves disabled adults and children in Fulton County, New York. Band manager Maria Nessel says Michelle and Flame's lead drummer David Lagrange are inspirations. David Lagrange, the drummer, is legally blind, and he is mildly mentally retarded. And Michelle King has autism. And the doctors had told her mother that she wouldn't be able to socialize and would not have a large vocabulary, which both of them have proved everything the opposite of. They've succeeded in everything they do. Nestle says Michelle learns everything by ear. She wrote all for a reason. Flame's other band members are also exceeding expectations. They've overcome Down syndrome and other challenges to sing and play guitar, bongo drums, and other instruments. Providing the music for a local church dance in Gloversville, New York, Flame draws praise from parishioners. Catherine Casalino says she didn't know what to expect from the group and wasn't even sure if she wanted to come. Hey. I was hesitating, but I was really impressed. Uh, I can't believe the, the music. It's just perfect. Some folks haven't stopped dancing since they got here. It's the audience reaction that Ken Dixon lives for. Ken is mentally challenged, but is still fulfilling his dream to be in a band. He sings and plays the tambourine for Flame. You get that certain jolt when everybody yells and stands up and cheers. Paul Nigra, the executive director of the center that launched Flame, says the group has given more than 200 performances since 2003. Paid performances, he stresses. It means that the value of their entertainment is significant enough so people will, will pay money to hear them. Like it costs $12 a ticket tonight for this gig for the audience. Nigra says Flame has even turned down big New York events for performance in Alaska. My goal is to get them on national television in a sustained way, so they become very famous. First of all, people with disabilities are going to be inspired. Families are going to be just enthralled and excited, and they're going to have great inspiration because of that. But the general public, people with developmental disabilities like our band, autism, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, blindness, and so on, 
They're more accepted now than they were years ago, but there's still a ways to go. Right now, the door to the music industry is only a crack open for disabled musicians, but the Disabled Drummers Association's Steve Katz says bands like Flame are knocking loudly. The way around this is to have everyone in the band with a disability and damn the torpedoes full speed ahead, as it were. So today, with a little philosophy and a little hard work, we can keep it going. Knock, knock, knock it on heaven's door. Mama put that judge to the ground. Cause I can't shoot them anymore. Musical Abilities is a production of WFUV News at Fordham University in New York City. The program was made possible thanks to a grant from the New York Times Company Foundation. It was written and produced by me, George Borarki, and edited by Julianne Welby. Special thanks to Sarah Wardrop and to Shane D. April. You can find an archive of this and other WFUV specials at WFUV.org. Thanks for listening. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door.